Howdy, folks. It's another episode of Scaring is Sharing. The place where we come together to share some scares with each other and with you. As always, it's your hosts, the beautiful, lovely me, Sasquatch Slim. No. <laughs> Brandy Joe, the flame and scream queen, Plambeck. How are and the, you? the gorgeous, miraculous miracle filled right that's probably what miraculous stands for <laughs> but the beautiful jeremy the original sasquatch slim rusk i'll I, take it i got double, it too complicated double miracles I'll double the it. miracle like a double rainbow <laughs> yes. did that guy die did he i thought he did i thought double rainbow died maybe he did i think he i think he did that's sad but if he didn't i mean no matter what happened I'm I mean, glad that we got the double. Double rainbow. rainbows are cool as shit. So they really are. Jeremy, how yes. are you? I'm good. Good. Have you heard these rumblings that Nev Campbell is actually going to be in Scream? No, I haven't heard that yet. I have heard that they caved. I don't know what the Ooh, right word is. I hope and so. they that she's going to be in it just for a little bit to set up for the sixth one where she'd have more of a, a larger role. Oh, okay, good. Give her the damn money. I know. Give it to her. Yeah, she deserves it. I only watched a little bit of it, but there's like a 90 things you missed in Scream 5 sort <laughs> of video. This guy, I think, has a lot of videos. He's he's a little awkward, but he's but he's also kind of interesting. And I think he's friends with James Janice, which... Oh, okay. I'm like, oh, okay. You probably know him if you saw him. He does a lot of these sorts of videos. Mm-hmm. But... I've learned a lot of things about Screen 5 that I did not know. Like, Drew Barrymore is, like, the voice of, like, the principal at the school. There's, like, an overhead announcement, and it's Drew Barrymore. And there's other, like, cameos from people who do, like, voices in other areas. Oh. Okay, I gotta watch. I gotta watch it again. I mean, I've already seen it a couple times now, and I'll probably watch it a million more times, because that was was a very good entry in the series, so. Yeah, it is good. It's real good. It's real good, people. You know what? If if people are joining us for the very first time, Jeremy and I just talk about like horror shit and other stuff sometimes in the beginning. Yeah. And we typically assign each other a movie and then we talk about that movie. Today's a little different, but that's the gist, okay? That that is the gist. We give each other our uh I guess ostensibly favorite scary movies that the other hasn't seen. Um, but upon rewatch, sometimes they're no longer favorites from time to time, but, uh, at the end of the day, it's all good. So Jeremy, our black phone episode took off as we anticipate these like brand new movies that come out usually do Yeah, it's on, like our top five episodes of all time. Cause we also did it like real quick and on the money, which I think is also, yeah, that key. helps. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know what, guys? It's not all about how many like listens or downloads your episodes have. Okay, okay. It's not all about that, but it's nice. It's but a nice it, thing. It's fun to be part of the conversation too. To like to be right on the pulse as uh, these new movies come out, and not like, I guess, a little bit like today, where we're kind of behind the curve on the selection you've seen we've made for yeah. today because it's already been out. But you know, we like to we like to stay current. Yeah, especially you like to take us way back. Yeah, and I like to take us way back from time to time. So you know yeah. what? We're all over the place. Uh, 
Now I finished Stranger Things, so let's talk about <gasps> Stranger Things for a bit. Okay. Yes. First of all, my maybe unpopular opinion, or maybe it's a shared opinion. I honestly, this is the first time I'm saying it out loud. I found Dustin to be extremely annoying this season. Like mm -hmm. everyone else grew on me, but Dustin, I was like, shut this kid up. In the mm -hmm. end, I liked him more, but for the most part, I would say through three fourths or five sixths of the season, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, no, please stop. Generally, I've Dustin's like my in. I've related to him because I was kind of a Dustin through my school years, definitely at that age. So like I was like, okay, I've, I was that kind of nerd, so I relate to him. But yeah, this season I don't feel like he had a very strong storyline necessarily. Um, of course, I'm all about the addition of Eddie because I feel very seen Love Eddie. Yeah. as a metalhead yes. and a D&D guy. Like I finally see 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 myself being represented uh, in like a mainstream thing. And my wife rolls her eyes at me all the time. When I'm talking <laughs> about metal, but you're like, yep, I feel seen by you stranger things by putting legit metalhead character. It was in a there. brilliant season, though, I got to say. Yeah, real good. Oh, my God. I can't. I, yeah. I, who knows where it's gonna fucking go afterwards but it, after it waiting so long like it just it had to be good and it was it was so fucking good yeah we we got it in we just like barely got it in uh as the the final two came out this past weekend because my in-laws were in town visiting they brought our uh our five-year-old niece and our three-year-old nephew with them to visit us so it was just non-stop circus chaos around our house the whole time but um, it one at one night there, uh, uh, everybody went to bed and just me and Sarah were still up and we're like, now's the time. We're just going to stay up and watch the final episode of, uh, stranger things and finish it off. So it was, it was good. Yeah. Every night I was getting home around 11 or 1130 and I'd get in like one or two. And last night I was like, I knew we were me talking and I was like, I have to watch the last one. So I was up to like one 30. It was watching very late and, for me. That two and a half hour episode. Yeah. It was just so good in the sense, like I kept thinking about how midnight mass sort of fell off for me and I loved its characterizations, but I was bored by it. Mm. And that's, I think the amazing thing about Stranger Things and what it does so well is it never, you're never bored. Like it always, it always keeps things moving. Like mm -hmm. that Max Cemetery scene and no spoilers, but like A, like I know we've already talked about Kate Bush multiple times, but like the use of that song was so fucking great. And that scene was insanely perfect. Yeah. Uh so good. And and the addition of the, you know, the big bad for this season, too, is like instantly iconic horror movie type villain. Um, and of course, they're drawing from a like Freddy Krueger was a huge oh, influence yeah. on the character, but they've taken it and done something very Stranger Things and very, you know, unique to their world with it. And it's just some incredible character design and world building they've done. And like, to, uh, like this season did feel very much rooted in like Nightmare on Elm Street homages and multiple, mm -hmm. multiple layers. Yes. But then I felt like last season, like, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers was sort of like the big influence. Yeah, yeah. And like the year before that was like The Exorcist. The first year, I don't know what it was. It was kind of its own thing, but I guess there was probably some draws. I mean, it felt like E.T. in yeah, lots it, of ways. Yeah, some Spielberg and some, and there's definitely, of course, just john carpenter vibes like crazy throughout this and stephen king and john carpenter 
vibes but yeah i was glad this season they got in the west craven worship so yeah but the characterizations are also always so good and like it was interesting because this season they weren't all together a lot of the time mm-hmm. and some characters you didn't see as much or didn't have as much to do but it also didn't feel like they were wasted or like why are they even there yeah like, everyone love that generally everybody got a their time to shine so i think that was well well played yeah but i loved it and i just wasn't it three years we've been waiting because yeah. of covid and everything it's I been just, like three years so don't make us wait another three please yeah exactly because these kids are like in you know i just read that the actor that plays uh dustin his name's escaping me but he's he's 20 years old now so it's like, darren something it's yeah like an interesting last name i think darren I don't know why that came to my mind, sure. but Who I knows? also feel like he looks like Millie Shapiro, which is the little girl from Hereditary. I feel like they, oh. look, they look alike. Yeah, a little they bit. They should play twins. I could see it. But yeah, they should be <laughs> siblings and something. Yeah. But yeah, it was brilliant. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. I watched it all in like four or five days, and mm. you will just zip right through it because it is so good. The cliffhangers, every episode was just like so good and left on like amazing notes and just loved it. So it was great. It was great. Yeah. Did you hear about this supposed Rosemary's Baby prequel? No, I didn't hear about that either. <laughs> so I think it's by like Paramount something. Not like Paramount. I, I don't know. It's it's like a branch off of Paramount. I can't remember what it's called. But it's they were making this movie called 7A with Julia Garner and Diane oh. Weist. Oh, I think I did hear about this, like a quick, a quick thing where they said it might actually be a Rosemary's baby uh, story. Yeah. So I think like the rumor is that it is about like that suicide that happens in Rosemary's baby. Mm. There's like the woman who kills herself that you Mm -hmm. don't know anything about. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I can't remember. I think it's just like a side. It's just a side plot. Little quick. Apparently that's what that's all about. Wow. That could be cool. That could be cool. Could be cool. Let's read some teragrams. Yeah, let's get to the teragrams. All right. So this is from, you know, the ever lovely, ever great teacher Drew. Teacher Drew. Uh, And teacher Drew says, hey, guys, I was anxious to listen to your episode on the black phone, especially because I saw it right away. I am a fan of Joe Hill and his dad and had read the source material. So I was in from the beginning. Some of my friends didn't appreciate it, but I loved it. I was captivated at the start. It was stylish, thoughtful, and hard-hitting. It appealed both to the English teacher and the cinephile within me. As I so respect your opinions, I was hoping you would like it as well. And then he puts the sunglasses emoji after Cool that. emoji. Yep, cool, because we're a couple of cool dudes. <laughs> One final note. I applaud all your talk about Kate Bush recently. I have been a fan forever and love her haunting style, especially on Wuthering Heights. Till next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay you. Love, Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Thanks, Teacher Drew. And yeah, I still just, I still really like the black phone. I'm just going to say it. I do. I've, I've been on like Letterboxd and seeing some reviews out there. And I'm like, y'all are out of your minds. If you didn't think that was an awesome movie, like it, it's been marinating in my brain since we've seen it. So it's like, it's stuck with me. It hit a, it hit a struck a chord. It hit a nerve. So it's, uh, it's been living in my brain since we saw it. 
Yeah, our friends over on It's Only a Podcast did an episode about it as well. And one of the main beefs that Ian had with it was like that something about the window and like he could have climbed up to the window and why didn't he? And in my mind, even though I feel like they didn't establish this very well, I felt like it was like a like a soundproof window, which would have made it very hard to break. Yeah. But they never really, like, he didn't try to break it. It's just like we saw him trying to, or screaming, and, like, you couldn't hear the sound. So I thought, well, I bet that window is very hard to break. Yeah, it's reinforced or something. But also, if he just climbed out the window, the movie would be over. Like, come (laughs) on, guys. It got me thinking, why have the window there at all? Like, I I feel like let's not have a window then. Like, because it never really was used. It was just like a, oh, can I get out of the window? Which I guess maybe that is why it's there to be like, oh, will this be an escape? But, I was like, just like cement it up. Yeah, could be. I don't I know. I mean, some light in I there. thought the movie established he tried to just bare hand climb up there, but he wasn't strong enough to uh, pull himself up to the window. And the uh, the wall is sheer. There is nothing to grip onto. He just slipped well, and fell. Their argument, or I, I can't, I believe it was Ian's, was like there were those rows of carpet and things that he could have climbed up upon. Those like sure. But whatever. I, I thought the window, you couldn't break it anyway. It was a very difficult, it was a very thick window. Well, I was so captivated by the story, I didn't even think about that. So, <laughs> you know, good job on the filmmakers for, you know, suspension of disbelief. But yeah, I loved it. And Teacher Drew, I'm glad you loved yeah. it as well. And I still would like to see pictures from your underground Seattle journey. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but that was cool. All right. Well, I have a little telegram from a friend of the podcast, Gretchen, who writes and says, Holy Hannah Banana. I'm listening to this week's pod, and I love how you two talked about body image. As a woman who was constantly comparing myself to others, I've been known to ask Steve, that's her husband, am I as big skinny as that person? Big slash skinny, I should say. It was refreshing to hear two men talk about it. You two handled that beautifully. I will feel good about myself and my body today. Thanks, Gretchen. Yeah, thank you. And I know it's no stranger that I say I listen back to our episodes, but I have to say, I did really like our conversation about body, like image and things. But I did say towards the end of the conversation, love the body you're in. And that isn't always true because the the conversation conversations are about talking about trans people. And they can't love the body they're in because it feels like not the right body. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I just had to say I'm taking that back. If, if the body you're in is the body you yeah. feel you are meant to be in, then love that body. <laughs> we're we're adding an we're adding an asterisk to the end an there, and there are some qualifying clauses that are now going to come into play, which is like, the, <laughs> but if you don't love it, you can work towards the body you want to have. Yes, or whatever needs to be there. Find the we, happiness to love yourself. We love all of you, and we do not judge you based on the way you guys look. That is correct, Jeremy. And if anyone wants to write us, scaringasharing at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on the Instagram and hit us up. And Tappahannock, Virginia, you still haven't hit us up. Like, yeah. I want to know who you are. Yep, yep. Slide into those DMs like a bunch of creepy men, if you will. Oh. Ooh, I'm getting ahead of myself, though. <laughs> 
Jeremy, do you have any other news or did you watch anything? All I watch is Stranger Things, so I've gotten that out of the way. I, um, of course, on 4th of July itself, uh, I was able to hang out with my brother, Bert. Uh, Bert. And we got in, I want to call the manual viewings, although I will say that um, I watch Return of the Living Dead always around 4th of July because it is a 4th of July, as we know, 4th of July themed movie, based movie, but... To say annual viewing, I mean, I watch it probably two to three times every year, actually. So I've seen that so many times. Um, and Jaws as well. That's the other nice. big one to me. That's 4th of July. You got to watch Jaws. So rewatch both of those. Still Stone Cold Classics. Love them. To me, they're both like perfect movies where you're like, there's not a moment wasted. Everything that needs to be in them is in them. Every scene is fun. Like just just great times. Now, if there could only be one final girl and it was Jaws or Return of the Living Dead, which one would it, you choose? Oh, shit. Who would I pick? Oh, man. Who's the hard. final girl? Who's the final girl? Who's the final girl? Um, uh, today, I'm going to say Return of the Living Dead. Wow. Sorry, wow. I Jaws. thought surely that would not be I thought case. surely I would be saying Jaws too, but Return of the Living Dead, I just watch it. I revisit it so much. It's like one of my all-time favorites at this point. Like, who am I kidding? So uh, I think Return lives. Wow, wow. Just barely, though. I want to say just barely, because Jaws is like one of the greatest movies ever in my mind. Yeah, wouldn't you say that Jurassic Park is like the Jaws of our generation? I mean, I know I'm older than you, but you remember seeing Jurassic Park in the theater. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, it, totally. I think it 100%. is. I think Spielberg did Jaws, and then for, you know, the next generation of people it was jurassic park with the same kind of feel and like again another like perfect thriller uh adventure movie but jaws is like like more of a horror film wouldn't you say or do i think you put them on like the same level like mons uh, animals gone awry i i think i think jaws is more horrific uh because yeah, I think I think Jaws is a little scarier, a little more like like a traditional horror movie than Jurassic Park is, because um, essentially you have the, the Jaws, Jaws, the shark himself. I don't know. I'm just calling him Jaws. I don't know if he's called Jaws, but the, the shark, Bruce, the shark Bruce. is uh, essentially a slasher, you know, on the loose, but it's a shark. So I feel like it falls into horror. Yeah, I think I support that. Yeah. Did you watch anything else or have any other news? No, that's it. That's it. I've been um I've been trolling the internet trying to find any tidbits about Halloween ends. Uh as we draw closer and closer to the season, I'm starting to get like uh antsy where I want to see some promotional material coming out to, you know, give me some indication where you're going with this guys. It seems getting, it seems to be getting late in the game that they aren't like promoting it yet, but uh, I don't know movies nowadays. It's like they put commercials out like the month before it releases. And you know, I can't keep up with the changes in marketing these days. Well, I have a theory. What's your theory? My theory is there's going to be a trailer with Nope. Oh, okay. Yeah, Cause I think Nope is like the horror movie of the summer. Yeah. And I feel like that would be the smart thing if you want everyone to see it. Yeah. Cause from what I read is at some sort of convention or festival or something, there was a trailer, like they showed it that people saw it like a, oh. a teaser. So you can find some brief descriptions of it out there, but there is, there is a teaser made. It just hasn't been released to the public yet. And nobody's bootlegged it yet either. So it's not out there. Okay. So I, I'm interested to see where they go with it. Um, 
there's so many wild theories about the plot um yeah <laughs> yeah i we will definitely be seeing it yeah we'll definitely be seeing it now will it be a course correction from what they were trying to do with halloween kills remains i to think be seen. so i would I think so from from what it sounds like is that it's going to be a more back to basics it's we're going to get Lori versus michael and uh they did say the budget was smaller than the previous two so that by necessity it's a smaller movie so I'm i mean like, there okay. were so many people in it so even if they have you know a fraction of those people even extras they add up okay yeah yeah so yeah it, it feels like they're from what they're saying it sounds like they want to go back to basics like the original movie and something that's a tighter sleeker slasher movie so i hope that's the case because that i would like to see yeah i have two other little things one i have to backtrack really quick to stranger things and i have to say the other thing that really excited me about this season was the lead girl from Anne with an e which is the Anne of green gables i don't know what you want to call it on um, netflix on a revival but a, a reimagining of Anne of green gables okay. She was the girl that Robin had a crush on. Oh, okay. the redhead, and I love her. And she looks so much like Molly Ringwald. Like, yep, I'm like Molly. Let's, let's redo a Molly Ringwald movie here. Yeah, and put her in it. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. we just kept being like, and I guess Molly Ringwald is in this. Uh, <laughs> this season. She looked like her so much, and I love her. So that made me super excited. And I just had to mention it. The other thing is, I know I talked about it on another episode, but since it, I've mentioned it, it is happened you went to a pasta slam and i must hear about it oh pasta slam um it was delicious so what was the crux it so i guess like it was a competition technically where uh they held it at pops for italian in ferndale um for people that know you know for everybody else you're gonna have no idea what we're talking about but um they uh, apparently pops is owned by, I can't remember what they're called. Like something restaurant group. It owned, they pretty much now own all the major restaurants in Ferndale at this point. Um, and it was the cooks, the chefs from those various restaurants and each one created their own pasta dish, their own unique dish. Uh, and that was like the competition was you had to vote for the one you thought was the best. My vote was for this one um, chef whipped up a poutine based uh, oh. pasta dish so yeah and i love poutine so uh i was all about that um, my mouth water yeah there was there was another good one too where this guy used essentially the ingredients from like a philly cheese steak and turned it Yum. into this pasta thing that was really good too so yeah that was it was you got to take these samplings and you could take as much as you wanted of each one but i stuffed myself with all of them um and it was great yeah, and there's a, there was a bunch of promotion going on for, you know, Ferndale stuff and uh, the culture and the restaurant scene down there. So it was a lot of fun. That's cool. I love it. Yeah, that. definitely would do again. Yeah, I would like to do again or for the first time. Yeah, yeah, next time. Hopefully if they do it next year, uh, you should come to that. Um, and of course, they all came with, uh, as as I am a... Uh, as a non-drinker, they all came with wine pairings. So I was like, here you go, Sarah, you can have double the wine. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to carry her home. Yeah, well, she we we uh, she went shopping afterwards and uh, bought some toys for our niece and nephew, which was like, yep, those were those were purchased under uh, under the influence, but they still loved them. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, anything else to talk about? 
Uh, no, I think that's it. I think I'm ready to talk about men. All right. Well, let's talk about men. So it is from this year, 2022, the year of our Lord. And it is directed by Alex Garland, who I think did Ex Machina and uh, that one with Natalie Portman. Uh, Annihilation? Annihilation. I've not seen either. And and he is the writer of 28 Days Later. Oh, uh, fascinating. Mm -hmm. And the tagline from Letterboxd is, what haunts you will find you. And the description is, in the aftermath of a personal tragedy, Harper retreats alone to the beautiful English countryside, hoping to find a place to heal. But someone or something from the surrounding woods appears to be stalking her. I'm going to stop there. It goes on. Yeah, it does. But yeah, you don't need to. No. Yeah. What were your thoughts on this film? So holy crap, is this a divisive movie? It seems like I went on Letterboxd and was kind of flabbergasted by the extreme division (laughs) in thoughts on this thing. And I was like, wow, world, y'all weren't ready for this one, apparently. (laughs) uh, It makes sense to me. Yeah, it does. I can see where it could be divisive. I rather enjoyed it. Like I had a great experience as far as one can watching something like this. Like I was unnerved. I was uncomfortable. Um, I feel like that's a thing. A lot of people detracted from the movie, but I'm like, that was the point of it guys was to make you feel reviled. Like, I think that was by design. Um, It was supposed to be an uncomfortable experience and not very cathartic and not, you know, give you a, an out. It was one of those. And it's, you know, they come along every so often, these really nihilistic, dark horror movies that people don't know how to feel once it's over. Or like, I feel so icky and didn't like it, <laughs> but I enjoy that experience. Yeah, I'm glad my husband didn't watch it with me because I thought for a second he might, and I think he would have really hated it. Because mm-hmm. it definitely, it is one thing for half the movie even maybe three fourths of the movie, it's one thing. And then it is something else. It's something else at the ending, but at the <laughs> end of the day, all the pieces still fit. Cause like then where the ending goes, I can look back at the rest of it and be like, Oh, the, in the entire time, like this is uh, the best word I can think of is allegorical yes. horror. Like this allegorical is entire. Horror. Yeah. Allegorical horror or like a fable. <laughs> this is like fable horror. You know, like this thing is meant to be, it's meta meta horrible. Horrible? <laughs> it's a metahorical uh, uh, movie, is what it is, and that's oh, you know, it, it kind of had like I, I was kind of early as I was watching it, I was thinking maybe a little bit uh, David Lynchian, uh, but David Lynch is a little more uh, obtuse with what he's doing with his stuff, whereas this movie, like the messaging is clear, whereas David Lynch would be much more obscure, and you wouldn't know what he's exactly trying to say um but yeah it had some a little bit of david lynch maybe some more cronenberg kind of uh body horror and like societal commentary in there um and it reminded me a bit of like i just loved the cinematography this thing looked beautiful the locations the landscapes ah so many just kind of these meandering shots through these beautiful landscapes and it, it sort of reminded me of um oh uh what's the director's name tarkovsky uh he's he was a soviet uh all my film nerds out there probably know what i'm talking about he was a soviet filmmaker that did these like epics but they they definitely 
he, he just loved landscapes and like existing in these worlds. He had a really good command for that. So uh, I really got that vibe out of this. And it wasn't just the countryside that was gorgeous, although that was that opening shot, anything that took place in her apartment. Yeah. Like before the film, like just bathed in that like sunrise orange. Yeah. Was just so stunning. And all yeah. of that opening sequence was amazing. Like from the color and then the way it sort of wraps up. Yeah. Like in this, the imagery that happens is just like, whoa. And then just certain things clicked into place at the end, although not immediately in regards to how things went down and how it all sort of tied back to the original tragedy as like the, the description mentions. And this movie made me remember, I know we've talked about this before, hyper specific, like things in horror that terrify you. Mm, uh, yeah. This movie had one, which was when she was in the tunnel. Oh. And at the end of the tunnel, she, she sees, you know, a figure coming towards her. And that like scares me so much because I think it's when I was a kid, we used to go hang out um, in Livonia, where I live now, too. My hometown as a kid as well. It was there's a lot of these storm drains and storm runoffs, like concrete tunnels, sort of like that, like we saw in the movie all over the place in certain parts of the city. And we would go down, me and my friends and like hang out in them and stuff. But there was all kinds of scary stories about unsavory characters you might run into hanging out in the storm drains and things like that. And so I, I, I have a definite anxiety <laughs> about seeing that hanging around those sorts of places. And what was so cool about it was that you, and this is something I love, like he sort of was already in the shot, the, yeah. the guy at the end of the tunnel, you just didn't know. And then all of a sudden a section that you thought was a rock or whatever, like moves and like sort of stands up. And I, love and appreciate that so much when you are sure your scenes as opposed to him walking in from the side and seeing him it was like he was this thing and then he sort of emerges yeah <laughs> like so, it, it, so good it, and it again it so wonderfully ties into like it, that's a very human anxiety when you think you're alone and you let your guard down and you're doing something silly or whatever and very vulnerable and then realize oh no somebody's here the whole time like watching me like that's such a discomforting position to be in it sort of solidified, though, to me again, why I don't watch trailers, because I watched the teaser for this, not even the trailer. And I'm like, I wish I wouldn't have, because even though it didn't give much away, even just knowing that tunnel sequence mm -hmm. would have been so much more effective had I not seen the teaser to yeah, know that that's that how it's it going to go. There. Yeah, exactly. Like I, no. And it, it doesn't ruin the movie, but it would have been a more effective experience had I not known that. Yeah. But that, that teaser is amazing. It, it does like what so many teasers and trailers do now where it like reuses a sound that's used in the trailer, like of a record scratch or whatever. Like in this case, it's like her, like her echo, but like so many horror trailers use like a repeated sound yep. for great effect. And I love that. I don't know where it began, but it's been going on for a little while now. And I just yeah. find it incredibly powerful yeah yeah it, that this had a really good trailer and again you're not ready watch the trailer but you're not ready for the movie from that trailer like you watch this and it's a totally different ball game once you watch the movie 
Yeah, but overall, the imagery is stunning and gorgeous. So many beautiful, incredible shots. She is fantastic. Fucking Jesse Buckley is so good. Now, you did not see I'm Thinking of Ending Things, correct? Correct. I haven't seen it. Okay. I would take this over that any day, although once I read all about it, I fell, felt like perhaps I could enjoy a little bit more, but it's the sort of thing where like watching it, you would never be able to like piece together. Oh, here's what this might be about. Like, I feel like you really, I don't know. It was, it was a little rough, but I it, also, I loved the character of Jeffrey in this. I thought he was so good. The, mm-hmm. the like opening scene when he's showing around the house was just so, so fun. He's so funny. And yeah. And Rory but. Kinnear who played Jeffrey and you know, well, spoilers people but if you yeah, saw the trailer okay. get out of here if you're not gonna now let's because there's just too many things we have to talk about yeah there's too many things uh so spoilers ahead um you know rory kinnear who plays virtually all the men of the village no did he um is i just, didn't know that jeremy oh my did he i didn't know that's amazing i had no idea yeah Oh my God. I had no idea. I knew the little boy was really? like odd. I really didn't know that. Oh my God. Yeah. No, that so was he's him. the cop. Yeah. He was the cop. He's the and vicar. the priest. Yeah. I had no idea. I yeah. think it's because he looked, I, I, I have no idea who he is. So that could be part of it. That yeah. like, and I feel like, was he wearing like fake teeth for Jeffrey? Like for Jeffrey, like- he had some prosthetics on. Okay. And, well, and now it was, all makes sense. There were slight alterations for each of them, but no, he oh, played. He was my God. He was every man she interacted with. He was the same, the same actor. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of shocked. Like, yeah, that was him. He was the vicar and the cop and the people in the pub. Uh, oh my and, God. And the the naked man, interestingly, that's what he looks like. Like that's him without any makeup and anything like that. Like that's, you know, that's when you see Rory Kinnear and other stuff, that's what he normally looks like. Wow. So all the other roles were him with wigs and makeup and all kinds of stuff. So now I'm just going to say this without being spoilery about something else. I didn't know. I was looking up someone in stranger things and the IMDb gave away one of the twists in Stranger Things, someone who oh. is two things that I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, <laughs> like yep. that sucks. <laughs> yep. And I know exactly so, what you're talking about. I'm I'm kind of glad I didn't look at IMDb for this because I'm sure I would have learned that early on. Yeah. If I would have it, looked up his actor name because I was going to and then I didn't. Yeah, no, that's yeah. He was he was uh, he was all of them. Wow. That is wild and I had no idea. Okay. So based on that and the ending i mean i feel the ending like here's the main thing i took away is there's something about cycles right mm-hmm. like yeah. in the constant rebirth of and now that i know they're all the same fucking guy yeah until it comes to her ex-husband which yeah. i imagine that is not him yeah that's not him <laughs> but it, yeah, yeah exactly no i was just thinking too um because they use the green man imagery uh from pagan Oh, so that's a real thing. It's a real thing. It's it's a it's really weird. And if you go online and try and read it, it's a very like complicated and convoluted history behind this thing because it is a mythological like figure, the green man or the wood, you know, the wood man, wild man. Um, 
it probably comes from pagan traditions like Christianity has kind of adopted it. Like it appears in churches. The fact that the carving of him in the church was there, that's not unusual. Lots of old European churches have pagan imagery like built in there because often uh, they were in locations where you had like a pagan worship site. And then when everybody converted to Christianity, they just built the church on top of the site they were already using for their older religions to, you know, keep it convenient really. But a lot of this old pagan stuff got worked into some of this Christian artwork and the green man's one of them where they're not really sure where he came from, but they know a figure like this exists and definitely in Europe across a lot of old European cultures of represents the forest or the earth. Uh, definitely rebirth. Like that's the big thing. It always represents rebirth. So hence the end of this movie um, with what happened <laughs> with the, the birth death cycle that they literally showed us, but with men exclusively. So of course this is a commentary on, um, I mean, a lot of people, I feel like on Letterboxd were detracting this. We're like, we get it. Men are bad. And it's like, yeah, guys, I mean, allegory doesn't have to be like, tactful like that's not part of the definition like allegory is just making a moral you know it's a piece of art that has a usually a moral um implication or like commentary they're trying to make so so do you think that the whole movie was allegorical for her coming to terms with or not with the tragedy that happened with her husband like was she not actually on this vacation not actually at this house it I'm sure some readings like on one, the one hand you could look at this as a literal story uh, where she's trying, she is trying to come to terms with this loss she suffered and, and then is terrorized by increasingly, I suppose like supernatural, supernatural or a dreamlike state world she's existing in. Um, I was kind of reading the whole thing as again, like an allegory, like a fable but she represented to me women in general, like womanhood in general, and everything else represents the, the, the male gaze and violence of men against women and just the patriarchy not listening to women. So I, I feel like that's kind of, that's what I took away from the whole, uh, the meaning behind mm. it and the, mm -hmm. and the fact that and the, the ending to me too is saying like the toxic masculinity and all that is pass down father to son father to son unless you know you were to do something to stop that cycle it is just a repeating cycle and i mean it all starts with that very heavy symbolism of her biting the apple yeah 100%, and then being like yep. you're stealing and then he's like just kidding just but kidding like, yep and calling back to adam and eve and all that yeah, yeah tracks from back to the beginning of time and like you said sort of women v men like exactly sort of that whole whole thing yeah now I'm trying to remember. So the, there was kind of like a false ending or there were like multiple little endings because it ends with like her and the ex-husband. And there's not like, I can't even remember what they say. Like, he's like, you didn't love me or I don't know. It's something doesn't like fully wrap up. And then like, we go to some credits and then like the friend shows up, sees the wrecked car, sees the blood and then sees her like sitting over on the stairs. Right. And that's it. Yeah. Or was there one more. I think that, yeah, it, it goes to, and it did what I like. It, it did the, uh, uh, she, the representation of her dead ex-husband uh, appears and, um, uh, you know, he says all he wanted from her was love. 
Right. And then it goes, men, and the title appears on screen. Oh, and yeah, you're I like, okay, that. I love I love when they do that. Like, okay, yep. You're, you're telling me what the, you know, the title, everything was, the, the title is the punchline to the story <laughs> you're trying to tell. Boom. Uh, and then it shows that little bit more that you're like, okay, what what was this all in her head? Is she just out of her mind with grief now? Or who knows? Yeah, I do like that you can interpret it however, but it mm-hmm. wasn't like I'm thinking of ending things where you're just like, I have don't even know where to begin with this. And I just quickly looked and saw that that was a Charlie Kaufman movie. And I'm like, oh boy, yep. He's known for his twisted, convoluted, uh, yeah. dense stories. So I can imagine yeah. it's crazy. But I, I do just think Jesse Buckley is so fucking terrific. She is captivating. Mm, she, mm. I just, she's, I love, I love everything about her. I yeah. Really do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She was just great. Like I was really invested uh, in the story. Like that's all I can say. Like this movie kept my attention the entire time. And, you know, I know everybody is, uh, I see a lot of people online are just like elevated horror. And this movie feels like a parody of itself with elevated horror, which I'm like, I'm sure you could get get that reading from it, but I think it's kind of by design. Like I almost felt like this movie is too smart to have done that, you know, uh, blindly or yeah, just flippantly been like, you know, you know what a 24 puts out and we're kind of doing a movie that feels like a Saturday night live sketch of an a 24 movie. But I feel like being kind of, um, spoofy in a moment, not spoofy, but kind of a parody in a way of, uh, elevated horror. I think that was kind of baked into this thing. And I like, it was just towards the end that I started to like put together, even though you'd seen for a while, like, you know, the, the severed hand, not severed, but the sliced hand. Yeah. I don't know what you'd call it exactly, but that hand. And then that, that was just like her husband when he had fallen on that spike. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, when that clicked, I was like, interesting. And that was so horrifying when that, when he like pulls his hand back and just slices through it. That was brutal. And then when all of them had it then, but we're still like grasping things with like the fucked up hand. Split around like her throat. Oh, like it was like yeah. strangling her with like <laughs> the one split hand was yep. so bogue. So uh, it was so gnarly, but I loved it. Yeah, I did love it. That is that's so crazy. I knew that that little boy looked so peculiar, but I thought they probably cast this kid because he looks older, but he really is twelve. But he looks like a little old man. <laughs> yeah, no. From from what I'm thinking is like they superimposed his face on somebody totally. else's body, and it's like, yep, yep, he's he's all the men. He's he's there's one man in this village. They're all the same person. And I know they do that more and more. Like I'm sure they did it in Stranger Things with like L. Like I don't mm-hmm. think they had all that old footage of her that they could have used. I bet some of that is that. Oh yeah, I, yeah. And while I can sometimes tell, I think it's a pretty. I think it looks pretty good. I feel like it's pretty effective whenever, for the most part, when I see it. Yes. If you didn't know, you wouldn't know. Some movies and some, uh, I I guess it all depends on the the craft of the special effects guys you get, but a lot of movies are doing a really good job with that now. It seems seamless. Yeah. It's really fascinating. I love that. The other thing I wonder, though, is how my opinion and many people's opinions would shift on this movie had it been directed by a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big thing I saw where, um, it it could have been a different ball game there, you know, entirely. I'm not, uh, 
I'm not sure. That's not to say like I feel like uh, I mean Alex Garland I think did a good job with that's his name, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think he did a good job with this flick and I I feel like on some level cuz that's what I was trying to wrap my head around like it's a movie uh, uh about masculinity, toxic masculinity or patriarchy or so you know, it's about men. <laughs> Hence the title. Um so coming from his perspective, I feel like was this some type of attempt at exercising some sort of demons, if you will, or some sort of way of grappling with some deep issues. And I wonder if it is more effective that way, as opposed to a female identifying director being like, men are the worst. And here's how I'm going to show you. Yeah. I wonder if that somehow, even though I, I, I'm sure that, that some people's criticism, I wonder if it also has the opposite effect of that. Like it, it has a different feel because it's coming from a man and he's saying, look, I get it. Like not like apologizing for them, not apologizing for himself for saying he's perfect. Cause we just don't know. I don't know him. Yeah. But like definitely saying like, I know that men can be horrible. Like in this, like there's really no redeeming male no, characters. Not at all. And I think that was, you know, by design, it was to yeah. show you the repulsiveness of, uh, certain masculine uh, identifying people and traits and all of that. You know, it's there's a lot of weight, a lot of lot to unpack in this narrative. Yeah, but I definitely dug it. I'm glad we watched it, and I'm glad to have seen it. And I yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Absolutely, like I that's how I felt too. I'm like I thought this was pretty good. So and and this feels like a movie too where. It might have been ahead of the curve a little bit. I think your normal movie going audience wasn't ready for something like this, but I bet you uh, give it a few years. We're going to see some like scholarly uh, articles about it and things like that. More critical deep dives, analytical deep dives on it. Like, I think this I think this is a potential cult film in the making. Like, I think it'll have an audience as the years go by that discover it. And definitely like at the end of the year when they're like the craziest moments in movies, the end of this and that hand slicing are both going to be a part of those lists. Yeah, they have to be like, that's some of the gnarliest shit I've seen in a long time. Both of them. Like yes. the, the birthing. I've not seen a birthing. I've seen bits and pieces of like real videos of that happening, not in completion, mm -hmm. but like it looked very real <laughs> it looked very real um it had a feel like the same effect as all i can think of was the shunting in society yes. like something akin to that like where yes. it's just so shocking and such body just not what you're expecting at all uh that you're you're totally stupefied by it when you see it the other thing I really loved was the when the naked guy showed up at the house and was like looking through the windows and they weren't using creepy music. It was all silence. Yes. And you just kept thinking the friend was gonna be like, who's that in the window? And that never happened, which I really appreciated because that yeah. like, would have been the go-to with her being on FaceTime was a friend is like, who's that standing behind you or whatever. Yep. And then there was that shot like possession where he was like up against the window with like his hands. And I was like, it's like possession. Wait, yeah. possession. Yeah, possession. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with Sam Neill at the end. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that I thought was so effectively creepy uh, just to have him. You you know he's there watching this whole time and she's just not paying attention. And it just hit me that there's that one female cop that's like, aside from her friend, 
Yeah. Because definitely all the women in this are listening to each other. Like that female cop is very much like she's not an asshole. She's mm -hmm. like, you know, oh, like, don't worry. I'm sure everything we find. It's like the, the male cop who's like a total dick. Yeah. Total dick. And her friend is very supportive of her and like, let me come be with you and like all of that. It, and it's like, that's when it takes the turn and you know what you're watching isn't really like really happening. I feel when the text message is like, I already know where you are, you fucking bitch or whatever it says. Yes. And you're like, okay, okay, this isn't yeah. real. Although you must have known when you knew all the men were the same guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, I was like, there, this is, it's doing something. Like, I don't know necessarily like this isn't real in the world. Or the movie is just so far off into, again, that's where I started to think about like David Lynch's dream logic he uses in movies where things are uh, just the way they are. And you're like, uh, why? Why did this this same character suddenly played by a different actor in this part of the movie? And you're like, a la Lost Highway, for example, where you're like, I don't know what's happening and I'm not sure what, but you just have to absorb it and watch what he decided to make. So, And I wonder if that man not like the actor but the man that she repeatedly sees is like her dad or something like yeah. i mean like if it is allegorical if that stand-in is like her father or something even though i don't believe we ever get any history yeah, of that but like yeah. why this guy yeah like yeah exactly like a dad or a brother or some sort of male in her life that affected her um yeah and it's like, is in reality, in the reality of the world or whatever that we're in, does she go to this house? Is, does this weird thing happen with this like naked guy, or this guy following around in the woods? Are the cops real and the cop doesn't like really listen to her? But then is the end just her dealing with it or not dealing with it? And I just love that. I yeah, love that. Absolutely. I, I love like, how open knows? to interpretation this was. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah. I didn't so much at the time, but as we talk about it, I really do. Yeah, no, this is one of those ones where I think I'm going to sit on it for a while and probably start to dig it more and more the more I talk yeah, about it. Yeah, the more you sit on it, the more you dig it. Yeah, that's right. That's what they say. Uh-huh, that's what I hear. <laughs> well, out of how many what? Well, I don't know. Out of five uh, naked, confused men. <laughs> With leaves in their faces. With leaves, yep. Wannabe green men. Wannabe uh, green men. How many do you give it? I'm going to give it four. I also give it four. Scare of approval. Well, there we go. That's a scare of approval, people. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. So, yeah, take it from us. We say check this out. <laughs> and if you've listened this far, it's all ruined. So Yeah, it's all ruined anyway. <laughs> but yeah, if you came back, then you're going to be like... <laughs> You can tell us we're stupid because it seems like, again, like I said, this is very divisive. I'm seeing like people either loved this or hated it. So um, let us know. Well, we what loved you thought. it. Yeah, we loved it. So let us know what you thought. So there you go. Well, good times. Great oldies. Cool. 105. This was always fantastic, Jeremy, as always. We got a little bit of Led Zeppelin for your drive time home. <laughs> uh, so sit back and relax. Oh, what a good time. Well, uh, everybody, keep coming back. Write us, scaringandsharing at gmail.com. That's it. That's it. Plug the email address, scaringandsharing at gmail.com. Uh, or hit us on Instagram. Yep, that's right, scaringandsharing. Uh, message us. Uh, let us know your thoughts about this or any other scary movie you want to talk about. Um, as always, keep watching scary movies and talking about them. 
because scaring is sharing. Uh, until next time, guys, remember death to Videodrome. Long live the new flush. Yes. And Paymon dies tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.